Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Hello, I first want to say thanks. Those two songs have fit right into the message, so thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I once heard a pastor say that as I'm preparing for my message, only God and I know what I'm going to say. But once you get up here, only God knows what you're going to say. So, And I guess that's a good thing. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Um, let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, gosh, it just seems like if you turn on the news, it's one bad thing after another. And so we need to be careful of what we listen to so that we don't become too absorbed. But I particularly want to pray for the situation in Ukraine. Um, why that happened, I don't know. Why you're allowing it to happen, I don't know. But I know you have a plan. We need to trust in you, as that first song said. We need to trust in you that you know what the outcome will be. So, Lord, I know that you will be with those people. I pray for them. And I just hope that the turmoil that occurs all around the world, that uh, we will achieve some peace. And Lord, now as I prepare this message, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Oh, we got it up there already. <laughs> Good. Um, today, we're going to talk about the fourfold harmony of Genesis, and particularly chapters 1, 2, and 3. And the biblical principle is no one can be what they were designed to be apart from the one who gave them life. All right? So... God gave us the life, and without him, we can't be what we were designed to be. Genesis, I'm just going to give a little bit of background. Genesis is the first of five books called the Pentateuch, the first of five books written by Moses. And it was written roughly about 1450 B.C., all right? Now, if we talk about Genesis... Genesis means beginnings or origins. And so throughout the whole book of Genesis, there's a whole bunch of beginnings. I just lifted a, a, listed a few of these up here. For instance, chapter 1 talks about the beginning of the universe, the stars, the moons, the earth, the water, um, just everything that God created. Chapters 2 and 3 talk about humanity, the beginning of humanity, Adam and Eve. Chapter 3 is the beginning of sin, but also the promise of a redeemer, and we'll get into that. Chapter 4 starts about the family, the beginning of family. Chapter 10, the beginning of nations. Chapter 11, the beginning of languages. You remember the Tower of Babel. And finally, in chapters 12 through 50, the beginning of the Hebrew nation. So Genesis means beginnings. 
But I want to concentrate on Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. Now, in our Western thought process, we want to know the why and the how. In other words, we want to know, well, was it the Big Bang Theory? Was it lightning boat that struck primordial ooze? What was it that caused the how and the why? But the Hebrew thought process is concerned with the who. In the beginning, God. And that's what we need to think about. We could care less about the who and the why, or the how and the why. We need to be concerned about the who. And this one is very important. The biblical view of creation is not in conflict with science. It is only in conflict with any worldview that starts with no creator. So we have to keep the who in mind. So there is that difference between the Western thought and the Hebrew thought. And the universe is not a product of blind chance and probability. It's a product of God. So with that in mind, I would like to go with the fourfold harmony of Genesis. First of all, there is the harmony with God. Eden was a place where Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. Now, can you imagine that? If I was there, I would probably ask God some question like, well, why is it so hard to find a four-leaf clover? Why didn't you invent more of those, God? Now, Pat, on the other hand, would probably say, and what's the purpose of a mosquito again? Tell us that. But here's Adam and Eve walking in the Garden of Eden with God. They were made in God's image, just like all of us are made in God's image. And we were to reflect the glory of God. That's our purpose in life. If somebody ever asks you, what's the purpose of life? is to enjoy God forever and to reflect his glory. That's the purpose. So it's harmony with God. But we also had harmony with self. Adam and Eve had peace of mind, body, and soul. There was no guilt, no shame, no worry, no boredom, no tears. You can just go down. Whatever problem you have didn't exist in the Garden of Eden. They were in harmony with self. So we talked about harmony with God, harmony with self. We also had harmony with others. Humanity was made for fellowship with others for quality relationships they were adam and eve 
were made to complete and complement each other. And I think that's very important. They were made to complete and complement each other. Genesis 2.24 says, and they became one flesh in the context of marriage. One flesh. They were made to complete and complement each other and to have that perfect harmony with others. And finally, there's excuse me, harmony with creation, with nature. Genesis 2.15 says, Adam was placed in the garden to till and keep it. Now, keep also has the Hebrew understanding of protect. So Adam was placed there to till and to keep or protect nature. This was a call for the satisfaction of work, a labor of love. So that's what Adam and Eve had, a labor of love in, in keeping the garden. And no sweat. When I till my garden, <laughs> believe me, there's sweat. But, um, uh, and God created then our world to protect and to love our environment. But in Genesis 2.16, and this is where that first song Alan came into play, trust and obey. In Genesis 2.16, God gave one condition, obedience, one condition. And he said, you may eat freely of any tree in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. So they can have everything else. Now, isn't that very typical? As soon as you tell a son or daughter, you can't do this, what do they want to do? That's right away. I want to do that. They'll do it. Don't ask me why. That's just our sin nature. So here we have God telling them one condition. Obedience, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, why would he say that? Well, as soon as we see eat of that tree, we see evil. And evil causes desires for evil. And so you can say, God didn't want them to see that. He wanted everything to be in perfect harmony. Harmony with God, with self, with others, and with creation. But in chapter 3, Satan enters to distort the truth. Who is Satan? Well, he's the father of lies. He distorts the truth. He wants us to go away from God. So he came into the garden in the form of a serpent. And that's why none of us really like snakes a lot, <laughs> okay? But anyhow, he came into the garden as a serpent. He distorted the truth, wanted to lead us away from harmony with God. Sin, if you look at sin, sin is a revolt against God. 
God doesn't turn his back on us. When we sin, we turn our back to God. When we sin, what we're saying is this sin satisfies me more than God. Okay? This sin satisfies me more than God. And so we have to be careful what we watch on the internet. We have to be careful what we read about because we do not want to be led into sin because it causes us to turn our back to God and it causes us to say, this sin satisfies me more than God. And then we see what happened as well, that it was deliberate disobedience. And that's what we do when we sin. It's deliberate disobedience. So we have harmony, but now through Adam and Eve's sin, we were thrust into disharmony. So let's talk a little bit about what happened. First, there became disharmony with God. There was suddenly a sense of guilt and shame. Remember, at that point in time, they didn't know they were naked. But suddenly they realized they were naked. And when they heard God walking in the garden, they hid because they were afraid. So notice how all this has changed because of their disobedience. They have guilt, shame, they're afraid of God, they hide, they now realize they're naked. God even said, well, who told you you were naked? So they have this sinful nature, and guess what? That's in us too. It's called original sin. We're all born with that. So we have disharmony with God. Then we have disharmony with self. There's now a void in our lives. And when you have a void in your life, you know what you try and do? You try to fill it with something else. Sometimes that something else can be alcohol. Sometimes that something else can be drugs. It can be hatred. But whenever you have a void in your life, you, you will try to fill it with something else. And so they did not have harmony with self anymore. They had a disharmony. And we may seek happiness through money, possessions, prestige, our job. But let me tell you, if money made you happy, we in the United States should be deliriously happy. We're the richest nation. We should just be happy all the time, jumping up and down. If my knees weren't so bad, I would show you. <laughs> but, but anyhow, we should be deliriously happy if money gave us that. I had a boss who once told me, he gave me a, a raise, and he said, you know what? You're going to be happy with this raise for a couple months. But then you'll be ready for another raise because money is not a motivator. And so he said, don't get used to it. So anyhow, I thought he was a good boss. So we have this effect that 
we are now in sin. And if we went back to the biblical principle, it says no one can be what they were designed to be apart from God who gave them life. And now we have disharmony with others. What did Adam say? Well, Lord, she made me do it. And so then as God talks to Eve, she said, oh, no, it was the serpent that made me do it. Well, guess what? It was one of blaming somebody else. And that's what we sometimes do. We blame, blame them, whoever them is. But most of the time, it's us. God gave them a free will, and they chose disobedience. Okay? So they now have um, disharmony with others. And I want to make this one point because it has to do with harmony with disharmony with self and disharmony with others a person who is not at peace with shit, with self if you're not at peace with self you will find great difficulty in being at peace with others pat and i watched joyce meyer 8:30 every morning and one of the things joyce meyer would say is hurt people will hurt people. And so I think that's true. If you're not at harmony with yourself, it's hard to be at harmony with others. And then finally, we have disharmony with nature. God said, cursed is the ground because of you. Thorns and thistles and pain and sweat of your face will now be the norm. Romans 8.22 even says, creation is groaning. So we went from perfect harmony to disharmony with God, self, others, and creation. But in Genesis 3.15, there's a promise of a redeemer who will crush Satan's head. And this will lead to a restored harmony. In effect, what Genesis 3.15 says is, you will bruise my heel, but I will crush your head. The bruising was Christ dying on the cross. The crushing Satan's head was we have conquered death. We have eternal life. So that's the restoration that's going to occur. So let's talk about this restored humanity, restored harmony. Now, it's not going to be a perfect harmony like it was in the Garden of Eden because we still live in a sinful nature and in a sinful world. But it's a restored harmony. It won't be perfect until Christ returns. But let's talk about this. First of all, restored harmony with God. We're entering the Easter season. Christ died on the cross for my sin, for your sin. And so because of that, we've been reconciled with God. In Romans 3.22, it says the, our righteousness, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we have. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
but we're now justified by his grace as a gift. Now notice there's one thing that changed here. Previously, God had one condition, and that was obedience. Now there's one condition, and that's faith through grace in Christ. Grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone. And that's the one condition for restoring our harmony. Restored harmony to self. We can now find rest in Jesus. We can have peace with Jesus. We can cast our burdens upon Jesus. And by doing that, we can have harmony with self. We can have a restored harmony with others. All human efforts, all human efforts to bring peace in this world will fall short if we leave God out of it. God is the central thing we have to place our trust in. We're called to be peacemakers. We're called to have that fellowship with others, but particularly to be peacemakers. And finally, restored harmony with creation. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. That's promised to us in Revelations. No more tears. That's in Revelation. So we will restore that perfect harmony. But also, we have a responsibility to take care of what God has created and given to us. So we should recycle. We should do our part to do the things that help the environment. So what's the application? Well, one, be in the word and in discussion with God through prayer. Notice the discussion with God through prayer is like walking in the Garden of Eden again. We should be in prayer, but we should also be in the word. That's how we get harmony with God. As far as self goes, Jesus said, the world will know you are my disciples through love. We need to have a love of God. We need to have a love of self because it will create a love for others. We should be in fellowship with others, whether it be in small groups, Bible studies like Nick has one in the morning. He has one on Wednesday night that you can tune in on through Zoom. We should be together in worship and also in our outreach. We should just be having that fellowship. And then finally, do your part to preserve, protect our environment. Now, I want to have this, want to complete with this picture. Um, because it tells a lot about us. First of all, you see there's the Bible there. It says, be in the word. But I want to call attention to the cross. And I didn't want to point to this one up here because it was smaller. But this gives the same example. There's the thorn, which says Christ died for our sins. He just didn't die on the cross for someone's sin. He died for mine. 
He died for yours. But notice the cross. It has a vertical beam and a horizontal beam. Which one's the biggest? The vertical. Which one points to God? The vertical. It tells me that we should be doing our best to put God first in our lives. We want to have a relationship with God. It's the vertical beam that we should be working on. We need to be in the word, in discussion through prayer, so that when you look at a cross, you see that vertical beam pointing to heaven and says, I have to do my part to learn my relationship with Christ. But the horizontal beam is smaller. And that has to do with our relationship to self, with relationship to others. We need to work on those too. But to work on those without first working on your relationship with God, you're going to fall short. It's our relationship to God that has to be first. It's Jesus first, no matter what. Then our relationship with others will come. Our peace with ourselves will come. But we got to work on the vertical beam first. And of all things, we need to have that fellowship and unity within a church. We need to, you know, some people may not like the music we heard this morning. I liked it because it had trust and obey. But some people may not have liked that. You know, um, St. Augustine said, in the essentials, unity. The essentials are God died for us. Faith, grace, those are the essentials of Christianity. But he says, in the non-essentials, liberty. And so, if you ever have anything about the church you don't like, talk to Nick. If you don't like the music, talk to Alan. If you don't like the message, talk to Nick. If you don't like, if you don't like my message, talk to Nick. <laughs> okay? But, <laughs> so, but of all things, we should have unity of purpose in this church so that we can have the fellowship and the relationships that we need to foster. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just give you the thanks that you have put the words into my mouth and that we need to appreciate the restored humanity, uh, harmony that we have, particularly the restored harmony with you through Jesus. And as we enter that Easter season, just continually remind us of how you went to the cross willingly, you died for us willingly because you were doing the will of the Father. And that's what we should be doing also, Lord, staying within your will. And so I give you thanks for everything that you have done. And I give you thanks for this church and for the messages that we receive each week. And so we pray in your holy, precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer. Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org and find us on the website. Once again, 
You've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.